listening to the Poster Boy Podcast. Our mission is to help young entrepreneurs in small town America start, grow, and manage 21st century businesses. Are you ready? Let's get started. Hey, this is Chad. Hey, and this is Drew. Today, we're going to talk about another quote. Chad, what's that quote today? Okay, our quote today is by Winston Churchill. It is, success is not final. Failure is not fatal. It is the courage to continue that counts. Well, I mean, talk about what's happened in the last seven months with the coronavirus. I know that we've been MIA battling this in our own businesses in the last several months. And today, I think we're going to talk about how our businesses have fared during this time and where we're going. But I think you chose the right quote because of what what has happened, because success is not final and failure is not fatal. What a fantastic quote to start with. So Chad, I'll, I'll, I'll start with you. What's been going on in your business? As I'm sure most people are aware, we are in the youth sports industry, which was one of the hardest hit industries from the coronavirus uh, due to large gatherings and really the unknowns and trying to protect children and a lot of things along those lines. And so, so many of our events were canceled. I mean, for, you know, the month of half of March, all of April, uh, we did basically zero dollars in sales. And in May, we did a very, very little sales. And then June and July, we were able, you know, a few things opened up and we were able to work in the South. Uh, we were able to work in, I think, uh, what, one, two, three, four, probably five states for the entire summer is all we've been able to work in. The rest of them have pretty much shut us down or even if they're allowing events, they're not allowing vendors, things along those lines. And so very, very difficult situation for us. Um, but yeah, you know, what's crazy is all of the all of the stuff that we had been working on over the years and we had talked about uh, through automation and automating our graphic design process and building efficiencies, you know, and then Drew, the way that we not only live our lives, but we run our businesses with very, very little debt. Um, we actually came out of the summer, hard to believe this, with about 60% less in sales from last year, but about the same amount of profitability as last year. My goodness. Yeah. So that is that, fantastic. Well, <laughs> yes, I think a lot of it had to do with the fact that we were prepared, um, not necessarily prepared for the coronavirus, because I think we you know, looking back, we, add, we we were expecting to have a really, really big year this year. And we added a lot of crews. We bought a lot of vans, which we had to pay insurance on. You know, we bought new printers. We hired a bunch of people, bought new setups, registered in more states, all of those things. But what really saved us was the fact that we had spent all of our money in our in our web development in the previous years. And so we were pretty much ready. And, and that bill had, had pretty much subsided and, and almost gone away. And then automating our graphic design allowed us to be very, very flexible and not have to have designers on. And, you know, because sometimes we would get to an event and it would get canceled the day of. We had a lot of unknowns, but by automating it, it really changed changed everything for us. I mean, and I think the future is, is hopefully pretty bright, assuming, you know, things one day get back to hopefully, you know, a relatively similar normal to what it used to be. Going back to some of our past conversations, knowing that you had so many innovations in the pipeline, it, it, it almost accelerated those innovations. And I wonder how many companies or corporations who up till that point had a, a culture that made it difficult to innovate 
it was almost the the death knell at that point because they they had no innovations in the pipeline that they could accelerate like your business like some of the things you did with automation yeah absolutely i mean i'm i'm not sure drew if you've seen the list uh, and maybe i can get it before the end of the podcast we can go through it but the list of companies that filed for bankruptcy during this you know it shows you that success is not final and just because you're a huge company with huge market cap and you're publicly traded does not guarantee success, you know, and it doesn't guarantee sustained success. And I think that's something that, you know, I mean, honestly, it was, we were so far, it's been so long since a company like Hertz <laughs> would file for bankruptcy. It's, it's hard to imagine that that happens. And, you know, yeah. just think about it. all it took was a few months of no revenue. So that kind of tells you how all companies operate on a very, very short leash. You know, and, and I think I'd mentioned this before. It, it just, you know, to catch everyone up where my business has gone in the last <laughs> five months, six months, it, it started out very confusing because I, I think, you know, the information the first weeks, end of January, early February, it was almost difficult to believe what was happening and no one could predict where it's taken the, the you know, national economy, uh, economy, let alone the global economy. Really, I'd say probably the first six weeks for us were were difficult because you know we are a marketing company we're a service provider to those companies that you mentioned like Hertz when we get phone calls and emails from our largest partners saying that they need to pause on marketing spend it's devastating right like what what do we do you know then you have to start looking at contracts and saying well you know you committed to this and and this is just the way it is and obviously that's why bankruptcies are filed um, you know, luckily with, with our partners, we understand being fair after about six weeks of the coronavirus, I would say probably the first of May, mid May, since mid May until today, we have closed one new project every single week. Wow. To, and <clears throat> yeah, it's, it's fascinating. Like we are busier now than we've ever been. I think doing very little marketing that our business is doing it is you know quite a bit referral business there's a there's a metric out there that that measures the productivity of corporations imagine how many companies chad maybe even your company if you feel comfortable saying how many companies out there carry a little extra staff it's a little little heavy around the mid mid midrift right <laughs> that you know these people they 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 provide a little bit of value but it's not you know, not equal to what they're paid. How many companies in the last six months who have always known who those stragglers are, who do you think were the first to go whenever companies started having to make cuts? So we're busy because there's just so much work coming our way. How many companies with employees, how many of these employees are now more productive than they've ever had to be? One, because everyone's fighting to look productive to keep their jobs. And two, unproductive people who were there beforehand are now gone. It's just something I've been thinking about these last couple of days. I, I don't know how it <laughs> correlates or, or means anything to my business, but it, it's, it, it feels like however many businesses out there that are struggling, there are many more businesses that are, I don't want to say profiting, but who are doing okay during this time. I'd be curious to know, Chad, 
you know, I mentioned it beforehand, you know, innovation as a part of your culture is something that you've always been focused on in your business is innovation. What other characteristics do you think might, might be there for businesses who are surviving or thriving, who are not looking at failure uh, and saying it's fatal and who are uh, rest assured that success is not final at this very moment? Well, before I touch on that, Drew, I just want to point out something about what you said about your business and how, how, what it says about you and what you've done is that right now, more than ever, companies are very mindful of every single dollar that goes out the door. And the fact that you have so many companies choosing you to give money to, it says a lot about what you've done, you know, what, who you are as a person, what you do as a company and what, you know, what you're able to provide as far as value and return on investment. So entrepreneurs, it's very rare that we pat ourselves on the back. But I think for you, being able to accomplish this during this particular business climate and the uncertainties is, is really remarkable. And I was so excited for you to share that because, you know, we've obviously stayed in touch throughout all of this. And I just so blown away at, at how well you've been able to like navigate the waters. It's just, it's inspiring. It's amazing. So awesome. Just wanted to throw that out there to you. But, you know, so uh, back to your question, as far as I think really the main characteristic of a company that survives this is a company that's lean, you know, and as I just mentioned, Drew, I just wanted to point some of these out. I had just done a quick uh, pull from Fortune magazine. I wanted to give you a quick list of just a handful of companies that have gone bankrupt during COVID. OK, so Virgin Atlantic went bankrupt, Lord and Taylor, um, Brooks Brothers, Hertz, Chesapeake Energy. GNC, Neiman Marcus, JCPenney, J. Crew, uh, and there are many more. Okay. But these are companies that aren't like something only a few of us have heard. Everyone that's listening to this has heard of almost every one of those. Okay. And that tells you that you're you're not too big to fail. And it doesn't matter who you are. You know, bankruptcy, it's it's it doesn't, I don't know how how to explain it, but it it doesn't just it doesn't matter who you are per se. It can happen to anyone if you aren't taking the right measures. You know, and I think again for both of us, and we've talked about this so many times through the way we live our lives, we keep our lives so small that something like this that happens, I mean, we don't even, you know, nothing really changes in our life. The thing that upsets us the most is we can't, you know, we can't go to the grocery store. We can't go out to eat dinner. Yes. You know, those are the things that bother <laughs> us. You know, it's just kind of funny. Yeah. We recently decided to bring our kids you know, full-time homeschool. I refuse to wait for the government to tell me or give me permission to send my kid to school or not. I pulled the trump card on that one. I am a product of 2008. I, I remember waiting tables during a global recession. I, you know, at that point, like we are, we are that, that classification of millennials who just don't believe in massive amounts of debt. Just leave it, living a very lean life. And that's also something we've applied to our business too, making very lean business decisions and relying on things that we can do. You know, like, you know, for as much as we do marketing, we know that spending a million dollars on marketing won't always get you a million dollars worth of ROI, right? So just living, living a personal and a business, living personally and through your business in a lean manner. Yeah. I mean, man, you know, another thing that I think a lot of companies have done. And I, I think specifically the restaurant industry, and I think I'd like to touch on how kind of we've both yes. done this, but the restaurant industry, you know, they had to quickly adapt. And what they were, what they did was, you know, they closed off their dining rooms and they all started delivery and takeout. And they, you know, there have been a lot of clever ways of trying to attract people 
And but at the same time, you're seeing companies like Cheesecake Factory all of a sudden, you know, their takeout orders are have skyrocketed. Mm-hmm. So it shows that, you know, who knows, maybe they can maintain a portion of this business as, you know, the world goes back to, you know, more so what we remember as normal. I mean, and then, you know, Drew, to talk about, oh, go ahead, please. No, I, w- I was just going to mention too, and then you hear, what what's that food delivery service? Um, it's like Uber Eats. There's another one out there. DoorDash. I, I what it's called. DoorDash. One of, one of those companies was like the restaurant industry is, is fighting against them because of the, the margin they would take off of the, the food order. So you could imagine, you know, how, how profitable or lucrative is a mask, mask company, how profitable or yeah. lucrative is a food delivery company right now? Like there, there are some companies that are, are, are going gangbusters right now because it, it expedited a lot of things. I mean, I think we all knew you mentioned JC Penny earlier. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, come on. We all, we like Sears. Yeah. Sears. Sears. Um, you know, to hear Virgin out. cruise lines, like, um, there's a lot of companies, right? I think perhaps this expedited the inevitable. Um, but you know, it's, it's painful, but, but I'm sorry, go ahead back on the, the, your comment about the restaurant industry. No, you know, I was just saying about how they've tried to adapt and, you know, you see a company like Chipotle who, they didn't miss a beat. And the reason is, is because they had invested in so so much money and so much time and energy into their app and making mobile ordering so easy and seamless that whenever everything hit for them, it was just, well, you know, and, and I have no idea what the number of online orders versus in, in store orders were. But I can tell you this, Chipotle's app was so good that before the coronavirus hit, I would place an order in the parking lot if there was a line at Chipotle and then I would walk in and go get my food before the line had ever even gotten to the front, you know, I mean, they were so efficient. And so for them, it was literally nothing. I don't think yeah. a single thing changed and it's, you know, there now there are all of these companies that are scrambling to catch up because, you know, Chipotle was trying to be ahead of the time and they saw a future that everyone else, I don't necessarily know if they didn't see it, but they didn't think that it was worth investing in. And you can see a difference in companies that have invested in their future versus the ones that were just complacent and okay with the way things were. And all of a sudden, when something changed, it was it was the straw that broke the camel's back. It was it was over. And you know what's from a marketing perspective, it it feels. I I remember seeing a it was a gum commercial a couple of weeks ago, and they had this fun gum commercial about mask breath. How how <laughs> fast it was for someone to come up with a commercial about mask, right? You know, I, I think that speaks to there's some really good branding agencies out there who are who are pushing these brands who still need to spend on marketing to stay up with the times. But it, it's it's very it, it feels weird when when social things like this have really pushed their way into advertising. You know that that's something that's incredibly serious at that point. But you know, to recruit so far, you know, we've got innovation, we've got leanness. Are there any other characteristics you, you might say make up a company who, who is succeeding right now or who is, who is failing but recognizes that it isn't final, uh, fatal? Taking the outliers in every industry. You, know, you take the automobile industry and they're all getting annihilated. Then you take a Tesla and they're thriving. Oh, yes. They have a longer wait list than ever. You know, and I, so I, I don't know what you could attribute it to, but I would say more so like brand. And people that have focused on having a brand and caring about, you know, caring so much about their reputation and their image. And I think that Tesla's done that. And 
I think right now, people that I, I think the world enjoys a great story. They enjoy an underdog story. They enjoy the world, you know, taking on the Goliaths. And, you know, Tesla took on the oil industry and he made it a very public fight and became more of a celebrity figure during this fight. And I think that is people love that. And you need something to believe in. And I think during a time like this, people still they still love it. I mean, you know, Tesla, not everyone can buy a car, but I'll tell you, he put some short shorts online the other day. I don't know how many pairs they put out, but they literally sold out the same day. You know, the the one day he wanted to do the boring company, he put some flamethrowers online and raised $10 million in one day. And, you know, it's because he he wants to eradicate traffic. I mean, he he takes on problems that we all hate, but it just seems so, so big. It's like, I wouldn't even know yeah. where to start, you know? Yeah. And there's something, you know, there's something very amazing about buying a car from a space company, from a company who's putting people. <laughs> in, Absolutely. You know, on, on, I mean, what, what, what did Ford do? Uh, or what, what was it that um, uh, Harley Davidson came out with a bicycle? Talk yeah. about some well, Drew, actually, brand. Whenever you Whenever you said Ford, I, I wanted to tell you something that I had, I had heard the other day and I, I wanted to bring it up, but I thought this was this is pretty relevant to the quote, okay, about success. Success is not final, okay? So um, they were, they, I, this is about the automobile industry. Obviously, you know, I, my, I love Tesla and I read a lot about them because I love, you know, their technology. But one of the things that came out the other day was an article that talked about how difficult it is for, um, and in, they call them ICE cars, internal combustion engine, okay? So the ICE makers for them to change. And they said that they wanted you to compare it to something like a typewriter. Okay. So back in the day, let's say you are the, you make the best typewriters in the world, but the computer is on the horizon and you know that your current product will be obsolete. It is a, it is a fact that eventually it will be obsolete because you can see it on the wall. You are still considered the best typewriter maker in the world. What do you do? Buy the computer company. <laughs> but do you, do you see what I'm saying? They, they yeah. compared it to Henry Ford. Like if he made the best carriages in the world or, or someone that made the best carriages for the horse and buggy and Henry Ford's making the Model T. Well, they can see it and it's pretty obvious it's better than a horse. But what do you do? Do you shut down your company and start making a bunch of these cars? What if he doesn't want to sell? What do you do? Like it's it's just such a it's such an interesting world, you know. But I, I wanted to share something with you that we started working on with UTP during the pandemic because we had some time and how we leveraged our relationships with directors and we leveraged some of our um, you know, technology skills and the ability to build things on the fly. And so uh, we partnered up with uh a, a couple of different directors and we started hosting online gaming events. Okay, but we carved out our own little niche and we made it to where it's basically for kids that play in organized tournaments in the United States. So we could provide a safe atmosphere for kids to participate in these things. And, you know, from from day one, we knew that we had the data. We knew that we had the contacts and we knew we had the ability to build something. And, you know, as far as like a, a website and get it going quickly. And, you know, we were able to do that. And for we did it, we ran it for six straight weeks as a trial run. And we sold out every single event for six straight weeks. Not one event didn't sell out. 
And, you know, the first week was small. The second week was bigger. Then it was bigger. Then we added multiple games versus one game. And, you know, so we really focused and and applied our energy to this. And now going into the winter, while we're still really uncertain as to what's going to happen with the coronavirus and, you know, all everything is up in the air every day. Something changes. But right now, hockey season is looking very, very uh, it's it's who knows if it's going to happen. But, you know, for us, we feel a little bit more comfortable because we have built the foundation for an online gaming company that we can host NHL games and we can host Madden games if football doesn't happen and we can host Fortnite games where we provide a safe platform for kids for a very inexpensive amount of money but we allow them to play their you know kids their age group all over the United States and in a, in a in a really fun environment and we've you know put together our our ability to make socks and sleeves and all the custom products we do and we provide those as awards which also you know make it again another special piece of the puzzle and so, you know, we, we haven't generated tons of money, but we generated enough to make the idea free and to test it out to realize that there's definitely a demand. Amazing. Just think, Chad, how many, how many plumbing companies and doctor's offices out there, all they did during this time was put a banner on their website that said, call in advance, right? You took this as an opportunity like Chipotle to to iterate even further on your infrastructure to, to innovate. So I'm curious, can you tell me like, what, what was that? What was the train of thought? Like, where did this, was this like a, you woke up in a, in a sweat at nighttime with this amazing idea? Like where, where did this come from? And not just that, but, but how, how do other small business owners right now think like that? Well, I, I mean, it's a, it's a, Great question. I think where it all came from was, you know, I, I love sports. It's been it's been my life for so long, so many years. And even before doing uh, the poster company and building it, I played sports as a kid and I still just love to play catch in the front yard and things like that. But I, I read a lot of ESPN news and some of my favorite to read. And all of a sudden, you know, you're going on and, and there are no sports happening all over the world. And so ESPN became very interesting. And then all of a sudden you see NBA players playing each other on video games and things like this. And I thought, you know, what if we took the same concept and applied it to events? And, you know, also we could leverage our relationship with directors and instead of competing with them, we can join them. And it A, helps them make a little bit of money. B, helps us make a little bit of money. It gives us a better working relationship and we're all there for each other when things are really difficult. And at a time that's very uncertain for everyone, and we're trying to provide a different spin on things. And so, you know, we just kind of looked at what what is possible right now and, and not focusing on what can't happen, which were events, but what can happen and what are kids doing? Because, look, people aren't just sitting in a chair at home doing nothing. It's just not happening. Okay, People are doing something, whether it's watching TV or playing video games or, you know, playing in their own backyard. What are they playing when they're out there? What are the things they're using? And so we started looking at it and we thought, you know, we, we probably have enough data and enough experience in the industry partnering with directors because they have the ability to schedule an event and help us understand it. And then we have the technological side of being able to build the site, host what they call a Discord channel. For any of you not, under, not sure what that is, it's like a chat room for a specific game or a specific room or whatever. So we would build these. Or before you know it, we had this really nice following. And we were, we're pretty proud of it. And I, you know, I think that it has something that we can build on in the future. And if we can scale this thing up over the winter, it will help us become 
better prepared in case something like this happens again. And I feel, you know, again, like we used our knowledge and tried to be smarter and tried to think and really not focus on what's not possible, but focus on what is possible under the current circumstances. What what did you realize you didn't have enough of that? What what where were you caught off guard? And I'll I'll tell you from from my perspective, it was realizing that there wasn't enough time in the day. I think going into it, I have been so focused on one line of business. And I think not having multiple lines of business within our current model uh, became very apparent in our sales in April. When our sales were basically zero dollars, I mean, minus a couple thousand bucks online, they were basically zero. And that for me reminded me of how vulnerable we were. Mm-hmm. And I, I wasn't aware of that. And so all of a sudden it was like, wow, man, like everything we've built, it, it can fall apart. I would have never in 10 million years dreamed this was possible. And, you know, I was one of the first people to be like, this will last a week, you know, and here we are like month seven, you know, and we've had to adapt. And right now, as much as everyone wants a normal, unfortunately, today is to every day is all you have. Today is absolutely the last August the 6th, 2020 we ever get, you know, and what you do with it is, is up to you. And so I'm not one to sit around. We sat down with our kids and we wrote a children's book about sports and our favorite holiday, which is Christmas. And we came up with some fun twists on it. And so we spent a lot of time developing that and um, bringing on illustrators to get it done. And right now we're in the, you know, the final stages of finishing that up. And it's been a, a really great thing to do. And, you know, I think at the end of the day, Drew, people like us, what we try to do is keep our mind busy and stay productive because at the end of the day, that's, that's what matters, I think. And, you know, spending quality time with people and making sure that whenever we're not working, we're not super stressed out because, you know, we don't know where our next meal is going to come from. And that comes from, again, going back to those core characteristics of the companies that have thrived, being lean, being innovative, being smart, being disciplined. These things aren't always easy. The, that first six weeks, we noticed there was a lull in our, in our business. We didn't miss a beat in staying productive. And we looked at those things that took up way too much time and that didn't create the most value. So during that time frame, we started development of a software that uh, during, during an engagement, we have a research phase that we typically bill for and take about 20 hours. We're now we're able to bill for this amount of time because it's a value, but we're able to reduce that 20 hour effort down to about five hours. And our ability to do more and charge the same is really where we're trying to go to in creating value, not just being tacticians that execute on an hourly basis. We're not consultants in that regard. We're we're still in the design phase and the testing phase. And as a part of this, it actually turned out that it might be a software that we could actually sell and charge subscriptions for. And so I'm, you know, because, you know, um, you know, uh, laziness is the mother of invention, I guess. That's <laughs> what some people say. 100%. Yes. If, if I know that I was tired of doing things that I can now automate, then I know that there's other people who are willing to pay to solve that same problem. So that one bit of innovation that 
that we're injecting in our company is something that we can do for other people's companies as well. I, I know that you don't want to get too deep into how it all works and, and how you've developed it, but as it as it comes uh, further down the line, I would love to hear a lot more about this, and I think everyone would because it's it's pretty amazing when you can shave off fifteen hours. Yeah, I, I definitely look forward to you know, sharing more about that product whenever whenever we bring it to market. And I, I but Chad, I'd be curious to know. I think you mentioned this before. How have you worked with your competitors during this time to 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 innovate your own business? And what are you doing there? That is I think that's a sign of maturity on my behalf, because uh, years ago, I competition to me, they were the enemy, nothing more, nothing less, 100 percent the enemy. And it was survival of the fittest. But what we've done is looked at the software that we've built through, you know, with all the automation. And we've reached out actually to one of our biggest competitors. And surprisingly, they were very receptive. And we talked to them about licensing our software and being able to utilize it and us kind of respecting, uh, you know, a specific area in the country type thing for them and being able to come and work together. And it's been uh, it's pretty amazing when you develop something and you spend so much time and put so much energy and effort into it and you're able to share it with people and they're willing to pay you to use it. And that's really uh, that's where we are today. And so we're doing our first trial run next weekend, actually. So we've built, you know, we've turned over training stuff to them and we're very confident that it would be difficult or very, very expensive for them to try and even even remotely duplicate what we've done, much less assemble all of the pieces, but they turned out to be great guys. And we have, you know, so much in common. So it's funny when you get on the phone with a competitor, even though you've, you've always fought against them, you have so many things in common from rebates and, you know, funny stories about team pictures and funny, different things. It's just so many things that are aligned. And so, yeah, now we've actually all become friends and started helping each other out and realized that our industry is big enough for both of us and we can work together and help each other. And it feels kind of good, you know, that we might go into next year being able to help each other out. And that's that's kind of a cool thing. You know, you're really not in it alone. Yeah. You know, I, I wonder how much that speaks to, and you said this sort of a few times, is confidence level in your business and your business's own maturity, knowing that your your business, I think, technically is over 10 years old. Well, yeah. And I think part of that, Drew, is we've had a lot of conversations with these guys. And, you know, one of the things I think they saw right away was that like my my personal obsession with being the best. I mean, you know this from working with me, everything we ever work on, we want it to be the best. We don't want it to be okay, good. It has to be the best. And, you know, for them, we had, we had a conversation just recently. We were talking about a process that they do. And they were saying, oh, well, you know, this just works. And, you know, my response is, listen, whether you do it or someone else does it, it's going to happen. So this is a very similar to Chipotle. You know, so many companies were like, well, we don't need to have an ordering online system or an app that, that you know, whatever. Chipotle can do that. That's fine. We're doing just fine. And all of a sudden, when things went down, people wanted to order from them, but they couldn't. They call in, their phones are busy. They have no system set up to take care of it, and, but it's pretty easy to order from Chipotle. Well, you know, for these guys, what I, what I point out is that a question, and Drew, we've talked about this on the podcast many times. I've asked myself of this question to this day frequently. If I were to start a company today to compete with myself, where would, what would I do? And how would I go against me? Like, where are my weaknesses and my flaws? And sometimes that's tough to do because you have to 
admit to yourself, you're not perfect. Working with other people, someone takes the lead. You know, it's kind of like what they say when, when raising children, either you're in charge or they're in charge, but someone's always in charge. If you are the leader or if you're following someone, you want to make sure that they're obsessed with being the best and they're willing to do everything that it takes to be the best because the companies that are on top and the best and are focusing on innovation, you know, the difference in Tesla and Ford is Tesla created the future and Ford was letting it happen. And I think that's the difference in, you know, what, like what we are today. We've created a standard that you have to print on site or you're not relevant. If you can't do it, then we can come in and take your business because you don't offer that service. And whether a director loves you or not, the customer wants something different. You know, that's incredible. That's, that's Tesla showing up to a car show and saying, here's my cyber truck. What do you think? It's just fun to see, to see how things can, can change. And I think right now you're seeing the best of the best companies are the ones that are surviving and the ones that have focused on so many things. You know, so so many uh, of like they're reinventing the future. You look at J.C. Penney, okay, and you look at like a Sears and who else we were talking about, Neiman Marcus. You know, these guys where they failed. You have a company like Lululemon who has skyrocketed, and they all sell apparel. It's just one was in tune to what the future was going to be, and one was hanging on to the past, hoping that it would come back. How do you think TikTok feels now that Instagram released its TikTok clone? the same time that TikTok is uh, looking like something that may be blocked by the U.S. government unless Microsoft comes in and saves it. Survival of the fittest in corporate Darwinism. Uh, TikTok should probably feel about as similar as Snapchat because, you know, Instagram, they, Snapchat went public, Instagram copied them. I know that, yeah. Yeah. you know, that's just how Facebook and Instagram work. I mean, they're copycats more than they are innovators, I believe. and so. You know, that, that's okay. I mean, it was pretty obvious they're going to copy TikTok because it, it exploded. You know, and you just hope that they can continue to provide a great service. But at the same time, I mean, you're going to get copycats. And, you know, you look at any of the companies that we've talked about, we can name the best company in the industry and we can also name the copycats. And I think, Drew, something that actually you mentioned uh, before our podcast today, when you and I were chatting, you were talking about people writing books now based on SEO. And that's also how they're building companies. For the audience, there, there was an article I saw that said that authors were now writing books and crafting book titles to game the search algorithm in Google because, you know, th- there aren't borders anymore. It, you know, the small town bookstore is quickly going away. Who knows how long Barnes and Nobles is around? And Amazon owns the the online book space. You know, you've got to have a, a a a book title that some people might more inclined to search for. How the commentary was that it's ruining the the creativity of the book industry. How do we send this on to the the eager book reader who should pick up the Poster Boy book on Amazon? And I heard soon to be in store. Um, what, what actionable next steps do we have for these people? Oh man, I think it is, uh, be lean. Look at everything you're spending, everything. I'm talking every single thing and evaluate it. Evaluate, is it necessary? Is it something you could do without? Is there a way to, you know, to be better? And I think you do that for your company, your personal life. You continue to be lean, do everything that you possibly can. I think as far as innovating, it's, Seeing, seeing past today 
and seeing, you know, to your best guess what tomorrow will be and trying to help build it, you know, through your own company. And, you know, you spend money, you're basically, you know, what they say, you vote with dollars. So whenever you're spending money, you're voting and look at all of the companies that you're voting, you know, voting with your money with and see what they're doing. And why are you going to them? Why are you still buying from them? What is it that they're doing? And start trying to apply that to your personal business and, and your personal life. I don't know, Drew, I think you probably have a little bit of advice as well. Yeah, I, I'm going to I'm going to stick on a part of Winston Churchill's quote where he said, failure is not fatal. What what breaks my heart is, you know, small time entrepreneurs who were, you know, were, were six months into their new coffee shop or had just started their frozen yogurt stand, right? That this devastated them. And I hope that for my business, it continues to be as, as successful, but we're going to do everything we can to stay lean, stay innovative and not give up. But for those who may have seen their first taste of failure to know that it is not the end and it is a lesson and that there are, I think the number was 40 plus something million unemployed right now. My hope is that there are going to be 40 million more entrepreneurs, that, that people recognize that they don't need a paycheck to survive, that they can start businesses. So this this isn't the end. If if you bumped your head and you're coming into this podcast and this is the first time you've you've heard about Chad or Drew, our stories, the poster boy book, you know, we're we're here to inspire the the youth who are starting businesses who maybe are looking as an alternative to college because I was 18 in 2008 and aimless and dealing with a financial crisis in front of me and it took me 10 years after that to finally start a business. I hope that people recognize that if if you failed, it's time to start again and if you just lost your job, now's a great time to start thinking about starting a business or if you're leaving high school and where the hell are you going to go? For college, because there's no more college, <laughs> there's no in in person college experience. Yeah, maybe this is your time to have a, a leap year or a business year and see if you can explore explore that as opposed to uh, a forty thousand dollar a year tuition to a a luxury online college. <laughs> <laughs> I think you, did you see that meme, Chad, where it was it said. Netflix is like nine ninety nine. Hulu is ten ninety nine. Harvard is forty thousand a year. <laughs> oh man, I think this is great. Well, I tell you what, Drew, let's leave them with a quote for next week, which is going to be um, by Nolan Bushnell, and it is: "The true entrepreneur is a doer, not a dreamer." This has been another episode of the Poster Boy Podcast, brought to you by UTProducts.com. Find and follow us wherever you get your podcasts. Visit us at theposterboybook.com to grab your copy of the book.